So today's message is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 19 to 34. It's taken from the message translation. For anyone who's not familiar with translations, there are lots of different translations. I've picked the one that helps me the most. <laughs> okay, so I'm picking a translation that is known as a free translation. So let's go for it. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, this is one of the, um, one of the sermons. Um, Matthew's Gospel obviously was written to pr predominantly Jewish Christians. Uh, so there's so much in Matthew's Gospel that connects with a Jew Jewish audience. That doesn't mean that we can't glean from it, doesn't mean we can't benefit from it. However, there's profound um, sermons or messages that Jesus spoke when He was alive on earth and it was captured, it was written down, it was communicated verbally and it was shared through the medium of being written down. And, and, and it was shared to those who were following Jesus much, much further on after Jesus had passed away. It's possible that Matthew's Gospel was written 40, 50 years after the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. So you could say, well, why was so long? But in ancient texts, that's not long. That's, that's actually quick. <laughs> but we can talk about that another day. And uh, if you wanna um, know more about these things, then feel free to ask because we'll do our best to help. But the thing is, this particular bit that I'm gonna share with you today is really dealing with thing that I think all of us can still relate to today. And so today's message title is called Needs and Wants. Needs and Wants. Everyone say it with me, Needs and Wants. Say it again. Everyone has needs and everyone has wants. And this particular Scripture helps us to get our head around that. So I'm gonna start at verse 19. Don't hoard treasure down here when it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust or worse, stolen by thieves. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth, rust and robbers. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed, full of distrust and suspicion, your body darkens. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one will not help you to love the other. Adoration of one does not flow towards the other. You cannot worship God and money at the same time. If you decide to honour God and choose to live a life of worship, it will help you not to fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether your clothes are in fashion, helping you look important or acceptable. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds of the air, unrestricted and free, not weighed down by job titles, fitting in or gaining acceptance. They live carefree in the care of God and you, are of greater value to Him than the birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror got even taller by so much an inch? 
or spent so much time obsessing with selfies and filters made you forget your time, <laughs> made you forget your true beauty and uniqueness? All this energy and effort given to needs and wants. Instead, why not walk out into the fields and look at the wild lilies? They never strive or stress, but they have been given so much colour and design quite like it. <laughs> but they have never, you have never seen so much colour and design quite like it. Not even the great best dressed people in the world could outshine them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of the wild lilies, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think He'll attend to you, take delight in you or do His best for you? What am I trying to do here? Is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way He works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how He works. Submerge your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Can anybody say Amen? Now you know why I picked the message. Because it helps us to come closer to the tension and the tension of this story or this narrative is God versus money. God versus money. So the audience needs to be reminded, if you use money incorrectly, all the wrong ways and all the wrong reasons, if you try to meet the needs in your life and the wants in your life from the wrong motivation, it's not gonna help you, it's actually gonna hurt you. And the emphasis is to look at the birds and to look at the wild lilies of the field and to understand that God has the ability to take care of our own security, our own well-being, and even our own beauty. Beauty is subjective. And we've got to remind ourselves that our whole world today is preoccupied with beauty, with image. And we need to understand that that can create a lot of jobs, a lot of economy, but can also create a lot of pain, a lot of suffering and a whole lot of misunderstanding. We can be so preoccupied about looking good for this group of people or this group or that group or acceptance and getting into this when we forget that we are being profoundly, uniquely made in His image. You are the most beautiful that you could ever imagine. And yet we, 
grow up believing a lie that we have to look like him, look like her. We gotta be taller, we gotta be this, we gotta be that. And we spend so much energy and time on things that work against us instead of working for us. So there's a tension in this text that the audience needed to hear. They needed to be reminded that God is better than money that God can do much more than what money can because we as a people back then and today will still use finances in a way that sometimes doesn't really help. So this is not an argument about money's bad. It's sometimes more helping us understand how we use the things that we have in our lives. And I love this because it's dealing with the very core of who we are as people. So there's no doubt we all have needs, we all have wants. What do you need? A job. But why do you need a job? I need money. But why do you need money? And the kind of questioning goes on. What wants do you've got? What wants, what, what is it that you have right now? I, I have needs, yes, but I have wants. What is it you want? I want a holiday. I want a new phone. I want some friends. I want a nice apartment. What is it you want? What is you need? The thing is, if we talk about needs and wants, everybody understands. We're human beings. We have needs and we have wants. The question is though, is what do you need? And how are you gonna go about meeting that need? See, if you have a need in your life, but you're gonna walk over everybody to get that need met, then are you becoming a better person or are you becoming someone that you don't really like? And so there's always needs and there's always wants, but God's wisdom says, yes, there are needs. Yes, there are wants and desires, but you don't have to become an unpleasant person to get that need met. And you don't have to destroy people and walk over people and diminish people and pull someone down to lift yourself up. I can lift you up better than you can lift yourself up. You don't have to always make it about you. We make it about me, me, me. We actually hurt each other. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Hidden Life of Trees. The Hidden Life of Trees. And I think it's profound because this guy, he works in one of the forests in Germany and he's worked all his life in in the forests of Germany and across other opportunities he's found himself working in. And he's now written a book about the profound hidden lives of trees and talking about how they work for each other. They heal each other. They supply sugar and sap to each other. There's male and female in trees. They even mate. How do they do that? That's interesting. They do amazing things. While you're looking at the trees, they're talking. This is not Narnia. This is not any kind of movie that you can get from Disney Plus. This is real. And so this book is just bringing profound insight, but all of the trees have been created in a way that they work towards each other's well-being. If you give them a chance, they will serve each other, love each other. If one tree is cut down, the others will do their best to bring healing to that tree that has been damaged. It's profound. But again, it's the wisdom of God. He's bringing His wisdom into all of creation. The biologists, the scientists, 
collecting data all the time and then putting it together and saying, this is amazing. But the trees that are done for commercialization, built for purposes of building, commercialising and just quick sell, grow, sell, grow, sell. They don't give to the soil. They don't give to each other. They just take and they say that it does more damage ecologically to the environment that it's in than it does in terms of giving. It's not giving, it's taking, take, take, take. And again, human nature without God, what do we do? We take, take, take. It's not just coming to church on Sunday and going, oh, well, I feel spiritually better. It's better than that. It's bigger than that. It's what can I receive from Him that I can give to the brokenness of our world. And that's what this text is dealing with. You have needs, you have wants, but how are you gonna meet that need and how are you gonna meet that want? You see, God wants to meet your need and He wants to be able to help you with your desires and your wants and your aspirations. But I believe it's important that we consider this. So how do you go about getting your needs met? How do you go about getting your wants met? And if we meet needs in our lives the wrong way, I, I wanna be married. Okay, good. Talk to someone who's married. Talk to a diverse group of people who are married. <laughs> No one responds to that one. But it's good, if you wanna be married, okay. But how are you gonna go about it? Are you gonna go about it with godly wisdom? Are you gonna go about it with a sense of, you know what, even if it doesn't happen, I'm still gonna serve you anyway, Lord? I mean, that's the kind of context that God is giving us here. You wanna go into your future, you're not on your own. You're with Him all the way. But you've got to wrestle this out and ask yourself, am I going to hurt myself or am I going to help myself. And God wants to come into our lives to help us, to strengthen us, to let us know that we are okay and that we're not gonna self-destruct because we have needs and wants. So let me give you some tension here. God's basically saying through this text, I can do better than money any day, every day, all the time. Absolutely, there's no comparison. Because the religious community back then, and even us today, what do we use money for? We use money to make ourselves beautiful. That's why there's a cosmetic industry. We, we use lots of things. We use clothes because if I wear these clothes, I fit into this group. If I wear that, I'll get kicked out of that group. So there's a lot of things here and it's not anti-fashion. It's not anti-clothes. It's not anti-jobs. It's not anti-economy. It's a perspective of, can I do my life with God? And will I let Him show His faithfulness in my life. And so look at it. Can we, we, we rely on money, we rely on networks, we rely on connections, we rely on friends, family, achievements, all sorts of things in life. And I think through this text, we've reminded ourselves, yeah, but rely on all them things, but does it make you better? And I believe it's important that we understand the tension, unhealthy needs, unhealthy wants. Do I have an unhealthy need in my life? And how am I gonna meet that need an unhealthy way? It's not wrong to have needs. It's not wrong to have wants. It's just how are you going to meet that need in your life? And that's what this scripture is all about. It's saying you don't need to meet needs and wants in an unhealthy way. Amen. The need to be loved is great, 
But how are you gonna meet that need? By giving yourself to anyone who pays attention to you? Love me, love me, love me. Will you give me what I want? I will love you. And we gotta remember, no, no, I live from love, not for love. I'm already loved. I ain't trying to get it from you. I've already got it from Him. So do not touch what you can't afford. Untouchable, too high price. I'm telling you now, we've got to understand because the pain that we create from the needs and the wants in our lives and God's saying, I want to help you with your needs. The need to be loved is massive. The need to be accepted is huge. The need to be forgiven is massive. The need to be restored is huge. To need to know that you're safe with your Saviour. To need to know that when you feel guilty, full of shame, it's not Him who puts that on you. How many people don't come to the house of God because of something they've done, a need they met unhealthily or a want that they pursued and they shouldn't have gone there. They did it the wrong way with the wrong means, without wisdom. And now they're robbed of the joy of being in the house of God because they think that they can't. And God's saying, hey, Jesus has fulfilled everything. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. It does not exist. So who is condemning you? It's God's assurance that no matter what we do, no matter where we fail, no matter what is it that we struggle with, He says, you're safe with me. It's the only place you can wrestle this out and still stay safe. It's the only place you will find wisdom and strength in the midst of pain and challenges. You are always safer with Jesus. But religion will tell you, clean yourself up before you come. And Jesus says, you can't clean yourself. I can make you clean and I can keep you clean and I will always work before the Father for your well-being. Jesus is interceding and He's praying before the Father 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your well-being. How cool is that? Who needs a friend like that? Who needs a friend that never sleeps? Who needs a friend that never, he sees everything but still believes the best? That's Jesus. So there's a book I wanna highlight for you called Drive. Author is Daniel Pink. I read it many years ago, but it stuck with me because the book is all about motivation. What motivates us? And one of the chapters in the book talks about the financial industry. And in the research, Daniel Pink highlights in one of the chapters that people who went into the financial industry, when it comes to morals and ethics, they were reasonably honest people, reasonably. And after a period of time, within two to three years, after temptations of bonuses, selling certain products, certain incentives to sell this, push this, move this, connected to bonuses, big bonuses, big payouts, people who walked into the industry with a sense of integrity, a moral compass, they know what they won't do, they know that they're not gonna lie, cheat and steal. Within two to three years, their moral compass was eradicated. They would do anything to get the bonus, anything to get their large amount of money. Why? Because the temptation was so great that they forgot who they really were. And this is an interesting observation. That's why I read the book, because it'll help you understand what motivates us. Oh, well, no one's gonna know. Oh, it's just a product. Oh, well, you know what? I worked hard to get that. We justify all of these things in our lives and we forget, but who are you? Have you forgotten who you are when you started? Have you forgotten that I'm not gonna do that? Have you kept your convictions in place? 
As followers of Christ, we need to know how to go into a broken world and hold ourselves and keep ourselves. Even if the world is unpure, we can still stay pure. Even if the world is, is compromised, we can still say uncompromised. But this is the tension of the text. So my best effort today is to try and help you look at what God can do with your needs and with your wants. It's not wrong to have needs. It's just how you go about meeting them. It's not wrong to have wants. It's just how do you go about meeting your wants? There's another book which I highly recommend by Michael J. Sandel. He's a political professor at Harvard University, one of my favourites, and he wrote a book on the moral limits of markets. It's basically called What Money Can't Buy. Talking about, again, understanding the moral limits of markets. We do need to understand this. We do need to wrestle with this. He's big enough to raise the questions that make us uncomfortable. And as followers of Christ, we need to take this on board. We need to wrestle this. But before Michael Sandel, there was Jesus. There was the Sermon on the Mount. There was the Gospel of Matthew. We have access to the godly. This is a sermon on ethics of the kingdom. You don't know what the ethics of the kingdom are, get stuck into here. And it helps us to say, you know what? So let me just give you, I normally have seven points today. Good news, I only got three. Everyone say three. First point that really stands out to me here. We are encouraged to look to the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and consider how God takes care of them. The emphasis, the birds are secure and the lilies are beautiful. The emphasis is on God can do better than money when it comes to security and beauty. We try to use money to make us secure, but we're not really secure. No matter how much wealth we have gained, no matter how many islands we dig deep, there's no many banks deep enough in the soil as Switzerland that can be secure because God is our ultimate security. Jesus, God is saying, He's saying, I can do better than money. If you wanna be secure, pick me. Pick me. And yet, what do we do? We pick finances. You can freeze all the assets of the oligarchs and you can make it comfortable for everyone else. But God's saying, I am still better than anyone else when it comes to security. That's what He's saying. Look at the birds. They don't stress. They don't strive. They are carefree. Could you live your life on earth knowing that your heavenly Father is already working on your behalf? Oh, amen, Father, in Jesus' name. So we're encouraged to look at the lilies of the field. Most of these beautiful flowers come and go and we don't even see them unless we Google them. Click images. You can zara yourself up, but I'm telling you, you're not even coming close to God's creation. You can pick the greatest fashion label. You can vogue it up, whatever you wanna do and tell yourself you're important, you're acceptable. I'm in trend. And God says, I can do better. You wanna borrow from industry to make you look good? God says, I made you better than you could ever imagine. Well, I don't like my nose, it's perfect. My eyes, perfect. My eyebrows, amazing. It's God saying, will you let me walk you through security? Will you let me 
help you understand whatever anyone says, I say, you are beautiful. And I believe we're encouraged. Number two, we're reminded that God will attend to us. He will delight in us and He will do His best for us. We're reminded He will attend to us. He will delight in us and He will do His best for us. And God is saying, hey, look at what I do through my creation. I can do even better with you. If the valley of the lilies is beautiful and Solomon in all his glory didn't even come close, I can do better with you. Would you let God show you how beautiful you are? Would you let Him remind you that He is the one that makes you beautiful on the inside and the out? His voice is better than any voice. It's His wisdom. It's His language. It's His Word that should build us, strengthen us, restore us and heal us. And the third thing that we're encouraged and reminded to consider is that we're encouraged to give our attention to what God can do and what He always is doing and not to worry about the challenges of today, tomorrow and the future. Another translation says it this, seek first the Kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So if we could close with a prayer, what would that prayer look like? And maybe this could be our prayer today. Lord, thank You for reminding me of how valuable I am to You and Your purposes. Thank You for promising to look after me and reminding me that You will delight and You want the very best for me. Lord, help me to keep You first in every area of my life, to remember that You are always ready to help me with my needs and my wants. Because of You, I am less needy and because of you, I am less wanting. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen.